Are people actually saying like Julian Edelman will be in the Hall of Fame? The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Stan Wilson. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Drop Back Podcast. This week I am your host, Stan Wilson, and I am joined as ever by the enigmatic Joe Costanzo. Here I am again, Mr. Enigmatic. How are we doing, Stan? I'm doing fine, <laughs> thank you. And Matt Burns Peak. How's it going, Stan? Here I am, Mr. Enigmatic. Wow. Yeah. Starting us off if we mean to continue with energy. Love so it, Joe. Before we get into the draft defensive tackles and linebackers that we're going to break down later in the show, we're just going to kick things off with a little bit of a uh, little bit of news. Um, let's kick things off with Julian Edelman retiring from the NFL. Ooh, ooh. Obviously, big player in the Pats' success and their multiple Super Bowl runs, but there's been a bit of chatter talking about whether he should be a Hall of Fame player or not. I want to hear your input on oh, this. Fuck off. <laughs> Quite frankly. Do you want me to go first, Joe, or do you want to go first? Yeah, you, you, you go. I think you've already I think started you've got off, a very strong though. opinion on this. So. Right, so Julian Edelman, this is one of the issues I have with the Hall of Fame in general. It, it's become so over oversaturated by recency bias that um, you don't actually need to be a top elite player to get in the Hall of Fame anymore, I don't think, or to, or to have people saying that you should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, good players are being said like, oh, he's had a Hall of Fame career. No, he hasn't. He's just been a solid player in the league, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but you need to acknowledge that there's another tier. And in the case of Julian Edelman, they, one, he hasn't been consistently that great. He turns up in the, play, in the playoffs and has had some superb moments, which, fun, which you know, he deserves a lot of credit for. He's been a very good player for the Pats. I don't think that career-wise, if you look at the whole sum of the parts... It's a, it's a career that particularly stands out in, in terms of being worthy of a Hall of Fame position. And secondly, I have a massive issue with drugs cheats in terms of performance enhancing drugs cheats being given Hall of Fame places. I think if you've been caught doing PEDs, there is no way in hell, from a sports ethics point of view, you should be given a Hall of Fame place and considered amongst the elite of all time in your sport. Because as far as I'm concerned, you are a cheater. Fair play. Okay. I mean, I agree with the sentiment around, you know, not endorsing people who've been caught for PEDs. I think Julian Edelman has been had a very productive postseason career with a lot of highlights. And I mean, just looking mm-hmm. back at that Falcons Super Bowl. Oh, he was immense. Yeah. yeah. What performance. And he great. has consistently been the best receiver on the Pats for a uh, a fair while now since um, randy moss left pretty much yeah well since randy moss pretty much um i would i would say he's had an amazing career i think putting him in the hall of fame would probably be a bit of a push i mean i'm not as uh anti it compared to matt i mean people genuinely think eli manning deserves to be in the hall of fame so if you're going down that no, path does, i don't absolutely does not deserve a place can't in trust Manhattan. yeah I, i'm saying people not me but you know if if you are someone out there who thinks eli manning should be in the hall of fame then i, I can't see why you wouldn't think that julian edelman shouldn't be in the hall of fame mm. yeah 
the thing about Julian Edelman's career is that obviously it's been very successful, but if there was a post-season Hall of Fame, 100% I'd whack him in there because he's been outstanding in in September's and February's consistently throughout his entire career and that can't be taken away from him but it's the fact mm. that he hasn't been consistent and as you said Matt he's used performance enhancing drugs yeah. and as an independent body does the Pro Football Hall of Fame want to induct someone who's knowingly taken performance enhancing drugs they know of it as well yeah I don't think exactly so. I mean we, we, we were talking before we we, we went live um, about you know how many how many players we think of you know, probably actually taking PEDs in terms of you know you, we always get a certain number each year that have, that get suspended in court for for doing uh, performance enhancing drugs but you know there's a lot of speculation that that number in itself in terms of players that do take it is probably bigger and there's probably a big chance that there are potentially players in the Hall of Fame that have done drugs statistically speaking however I think there's a massive difference when it's a player who has literally been caught and suspended by the league for doing it. I think it just sets the wrong example. Um, you know, and this this isn't me saying that Julian Edelman's a bad player. I think Julian, Julian Edelman has been a very good football player and you've got to applaud the longevity and, you know, there's there's lots of likeable things about Julian Edelman in terms of the way that he um, has that, he sort of embodies that sort of underdog spirit in, in a lot of ways and he has shown fierce loyalty to the Patriots, which I think is also another um, endearing quality. And he's come up big for them in, in big moments. However, exactly. I don't think when you add it all together, the span of his career adds up to enough to to put him amongst the greatest players to have ever played the game. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. And I don't want to speak for Slew, but I would assume that if he was here, he'd be on our on our side on this. Oh, oh yeah, he's a negative. He'd yeah. definitely be like, no one deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes, one one thing I would say though, uh, going back to Stan's point, is that postseason performances should be counted as part of the equation, not the yeah. only thing. But yeah, you can't ignore people who've had stellar postseason performances. If you know, I mean, he he wasn't bad in the in the regular season. He was still the leading receiver for the Patriots. Yeah, but that's not really hard when you've got like Nikhil Harry is the other option and um, Philip Dorsett yeah, recently, and players like that. But um, talking about you know a few years for a few years now, that yeah. is one of the caveats as well with with these kind of players who we, you put in the bracket of sort of good not great is especially when they are the best of a bad bunch within their team. Yeah. I mean, how how many times have we have we identified wide receiver over the last like five six years as a position of need for the Patriots? Every right. single offseason, it's like, oh, what should the Patriots do this offseason? Well, they should probably draft a wide receiver in the first exactly. round. Is that somewhere where they're lacking because they don't have any big outside targets? I think and they still don't. Yeah, the thing with Julian Edelman is he's never really been distinguished as an elite wide receiver in the league. And yeah. to put someone in the Hall of Fame who wasn't really elite at their position while they were playing, regardless of any sort of performance enhancing drugs or scandal or anything like that. Yeah. I think that you, it's not really, they're not really getting in on merit, you know. Yeah. Exactly. If he's not elite, he shouldn't get in, and that's pretty much where you should just draw the line. That's why say, Joe Flacco is a is a first ballot Hall of first Famer. Ballot Hall of Famer. Well, nice. there you go. All right, let's um let's bring things swiftly forward. So on um on some news freshly off the press, Jadevian Clowney has signed a one year deal in Cleveland to play with the Browns that is going to be worth up to ten million. Pound, ten million pounds, ten million dollars per Adam Schefter. There you go. So he's gonna be joining up with Miles Garrett, 
they'll make up the edge combo on that um, on that four three scheme. Nice. What are we thinking here? It's amazing. He actually, I, I every bit of news I heard leading up to this is that he was pricing himself very highly. Um, I don't think he has the leverage to do that if he's not going to produce the sacks. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, but I think uh, someone mentioned a two-year deal, like they, it, what he turned down from the Browns the season prior, which is like two years, fifty million or something ridiculous. I bet you wish yeah. he'd taken that now. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean that's true. Um, and just like you said, I think he's um, coming into the league. Everyone kind of, you know, we saw that tackle against Michigan and um, that just athletic freak coming into the league uh and we thought oh this guy's going to be the next big thing pass rusher but he's never really been that player and yeah. i think that was a it was you're not the browns aren't looking for an amazing pass rusher here they're looking for someone who can stuff the run and yeah. i think they've done well yeah i don't think it f- fills all their holes that they need because a lot of that run d a lot of this failure that they had with that was the linebacking core which is really really weak yeah but yeah, I'm I'm a fan of this move personally. Like he's not going to get you the big sack numbers, but having Garrett and Clowney on the edges that can that can only bring positivity to your team. That can only improve you going into the next season. So solid signing. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's I think it's exactly how you guys said. Like he's I don't think Jadavian Clowney is anything particularly special in this league, but he is a very solid and physical football player. Um, and for a team that struggled against the run, especially in the second level, like you said, Stan, last season, that that's a big need. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do sort of wonder with Jadavian Clowney, is he ever going to be on a multi-year deal again? I feel like he's just destined to yo-yo from, from one-year prove-it deals to one-year prove-it deals. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can see where you're coming from there. But um, a big positive from this move is that you've solid you've solidified your edge position, which allows the Browns to then target linebackers in the draft. And That's exactly gonna, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be covering some of these guys later. Your Micah Parsons, your Jer- Bruce, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoas of the world. They're not going to get Micah Parsons. No, nah, they probably he probably won't fall to them. <laughs> Don't know. You could they could end up with um at twenty six. I don't know. I personally, I've got I've got um JOK as my my number one, but we'll get onto that a bit later. We'll get onto we'll that talk bit later. About that. Can't wait to cover that. It is coming up. Oh, it's coming just soon. Wait. Stay tuned. So before we get on to the linebackers, we're going to go for the defensive tackle group of this um this draft. It's the a, interior lineman. The interior line. We'll call it, yeah. We'll call it no, the interior line. So we're going to start things off with Levi Onwuzurike from the University of Washington. He's a big, athletic, can play one tech, can play three tech, versatile, explosive. Everything you want in a modern defensive tackle, as far as I'm concerned. What did you guys see when you watched the film of him? Um, I saw that he was explosive as all hell. Uh, he kind yeah. of played all over the line, so it's kind of difficult to judge how he takes on different blocks across the O-line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the athleticism's there for, for a person of his size. I I would say one negative I saw would be his um he's almost so explosive that it's like if he doesn't beat you with explosiveness then he doesn't really have a plan b so yeah yeah just that that raw power um so for instance i if you look at the oregon tape um in 2019 because did he 
He opted out. Yeah, he did opt out. Yeah, so um, they're a lot more athletic, and they're probably more reflective of what he'll get in the NFL. And he, yeah, he he kind of if if you if he can't beat them at the snap, then he kind of struggles with uh, with his hands. I would say. Yeah, that's one thing he can refine, but. I don't know. I did see some good plays where he did use his hands quite well, and I'd rather have a guy who is explosive and has potential to learn these things rather than a guy who isn't explosive. Like the reason Greg Rousseau is getting so much Twitchy. hype is because it's because of his because of his length and the way he uses it. And that's the same reason. Like Onwuzurike is getting the hype is because he's got, he's got the length, he's got the size, and he's got the athleticism in Twitch that. Yeah, that um, that other guy. Greg Russo does have. not have the Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russo doesn't have Twitch. I'm not saying he does, but I'm saying yeah. What sets Onwuzurike apart is the Twitch and how explosive he is in his get off off the line that first step. Yeah, and yeah, that that yeah. was impressive as all hell. And he can command blocks and he can work well versus the run. Like uh, UW, they run a lot of um, three man fronts on passing downs and other situations. And he was always that interior guy, the zero tech, one tech on the inside. And he was able to cope quite well against double teams for a guy who's yeah, literally just on his own on the interior there. And you've got like guys on the outside rushing and he's just on his own in the little island in the middle. Yeah. That, that was what impressed me about him. I think that will enamour him as well to NFL defensive coordinator is the fact that he can do both and he's got that versatility. Yeah. Um, it just makes it so much easier to, to be able to get him involved early doors. I feel like when we when you have prospects coming out of the draft, especially on the D-line, who are very sort of one-dimensional, yeah. it becomes very difficult to get them the game time needed to properly sort of, them, for them to properly have that impact straight away. Like if you've Absolutely. got a guy who is just a pass rusher and everyone fucking knows he's just a pass rusher, then you're you're, you're using him for half the game at best. Yeah, that's exactly. So are we um, are we happy to move on from Onzerike now, boys? Yeah. Mm. Awesome. So... That's the re- So the reason that I've got on Zarike above the next guy, Christian Barmore, is for exactly that reason, Matt. Barmore's a guy who, even in the SEC, um, in college football, he was getting taken out of the game on running downs because he couldn't work double teams very well. Yeah. yeah. Like Nick Saban, defensive genius, he recognised that, took him out of the game. And would you spend a first-round pick on a guy that's only going to see 50 snaps a game? I... I mean, to be honest, with Barmore, I think he's more of a playmaker than a disruptor. When you talk about like interior linemen, you, you have, for instance, like Ndomakan Sue would do uh, ah, That's probably a bad example because he can kind of do both. But yeah, um, just so Barmore can make plays, uh, but he struggles, like you said, shedding off double teams and kind of getting in the way at least for yeah. the double teams yeah. just being that immovable object like the guys we're going to mention a bit later on yeah yeah and there's definitely guys further down this list that are a lot better at that but i think yeah. his pass rushing ability is probably the the highest out of out of these lot to be honest yeah, um, yeah I agree. he had some meh games but like going into the playoffs against the two best o-lines he was going to face uh he had i think 12 pressures which is just kind of highlights that as a pass rusher he is very effective from that interior position and if he can develop some of those skills to you know be more disruptive in in the run game then i think he he's probably the best talent on the list 
Yeah, his athleticism is undeniable, and that's yeah. what gives him the, the upside. Is because these guys are obviously prospects; they're not refined NFL talents yet. You just got to bank on him to learn how to face the run. And if you've already got the athletic skill set, it's a lot easier to be taught. Because if you don't have the frame and the athleticism, just the the hands to be able to deal with this stuff, you're never going to be able to like. It's just some stuff you can't teach, essentially. Yeah. And Bomb was at least got the tools to be able to learn to do the job. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else to add? No, we've summarised it pretty well. Yeah, I just yeah, I'm just worried that not a lot of people are going to be particularly interested in defensive tackles. Like, really, well, neither am I. You take that back, sir. <laughs> I love a bit on Zurique, but yeah, yeah. On I mean, to be honest, with with Barrymore as well. Like, I feel Barrymore. like is it Barrymore or Barmore? Barmore. Barmore right? Sorry, Barmore. I don't know why I said Barrymore. Drew, Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. Yeah, uh, with with Barmore, the fact that he's like got this this pass rushing ability makes him, I think, quite an easy an easy prospect for hype to quickly generate around. Yeah. And I kind of expect to see that happen as we as we get closer and closer to the draft because it's an exciting trait, right? It might not actually be the most the, the trait that lends itself to the longest career in the NFL from an interior lineman, but it's something mm-hmm. that when you turn on the tape and you see him making these plays, it's like that guy's really fucking good at football. Yeah. Yeah. It might not, he might not actually be that great at doing what you want him to do every single down. And he, it might not actually lead to that much production at the next level, but it's something to easily get very excited about. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. And he's a he's a one-dimensional player in that respect at the moment, but tune in at this time next year and we'll, we'll see if he's managed to develop. And I, I do mm. think he will, but... Yeah, definitely. He's got just, there's just more. There's more of an if than a with. Yeah, it Andre just depends if, if he gets trusted with the reps in in the NFL. You know, yeah. if, he, if he actually gets in there to to on on uh, running downs to to actually yeah progress mm. that ability. Because if not, he's just going to be uh, a tool. Yeah, for sure. That sounded about... bad, but <laughs> you know, yeah, not yeah. in a negative way. <laughs> So just talking about guys who are very good about against the run, you've got Alan McNeil here from NC State, who is just, he's like a rock. He's an immovable object. Yeah. He's your prototypical one-technique defensive tackle. He's pretty much plug-and-play ready-built for a 4-3 scheme, and mm. you know what you're getting. It's not exciting, but you've got to have someone there, and McNeil does that role incredibly well, I think. Yeah, and he's he's fairly explosive as well. His get-off is pretty good for someone who's, what, 340 pounds. He's a and- big old boy. Yeah, like we were just saying with Barmore, he's more of a disruptor. He he gets on inside runs. He's just taking on double teams and just not shifting a bunch. So you have to go elsewhere. And yeah. I think that's that's undeniable. I will say he's probably quite raw as as a pass rusher, but he still manages to be semi productive in that regard. Even though it doesn't look like he should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's not like his hands are anything special, but I think that explosiveness helps. Yeah, definitely. I think there'll be plenty of um, of GMs who have got McNeil quite high on their wish list because he's that reliable, immovable object, as you said, Stan. Like, I feel like especially at D tackle, being consistently in the way and difficult to move is so is such a like I said it's not particularly glamorous it's not going to make the headlines it might even be one of those draft picks where the fan base is a little bit like underwhelmed because it's not a flashy pick yeah but you've, but you've it, got to have someone there someone has to be there and exactly like versus the run these guys are invaluable like sure it might not show up on 
tapes is like, wow, he shot that gap so fast and got a tackle for loss. They're just guys who clog up gaps and it's not pretty, exactly. but when done right, it is, it's special. Mate, it's the little je ne sais quoi about playing an interior <laughs> defensive line. It doesn't doesn't show up on the stat sheet. You're just bucking in the way. You're just <laughs> pissing people off and having a massive impact on the game without it actually... Like it takes, I think it takes a bit more of a skilled eye to realise those guys and what they're doing and how they're... Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, the offense. you can play nose and get less than 20 tackles in a season and still exactly, have a very right? productive season. Yeah. It's not... Yeah, and still be an absolute pain yeah. in the ass to try and game plan against because yeah. you clog all the holes. Exactly. Right, so here's a, here's a little fun fact, a, um, a tidbit, if you will, Joe. Oh, I love them. I love them. <laughs> so Alan McNeil, in fact, played linebacker and running back in high school. Damn. How? So he's only, he's, he's only 340 <laughs> pounds now. He's only played the position for three years at NC State, but he played what linebacker. What weight was he when he was playing? Can you find that out? Um, I I don't know if I could find that. Um, because I would love to think he was still three hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> I love that. To be fair, I love to when be... you see those clips of like absolutely yeah. massive blokes playing running back. Yes, mauling people. Like it's often like high school level. To be fair, so there's, there's a little bit of feels a bit sadistic at some point. It gives but... me a little bit of pride, you know, because when I first started playing American football, people were like, "Oh yeah, we'll put you on D line." I'm like, "No, I don't want <laughs> no. to play D. I'm going won't. to be a power back." Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do a spin move. Except in this case, he obviously did end up being an NFL prospect at, at D-line, so that was possibly a bad example to choose. Well, between you and him. <laughs> and maybe I should have switched, actually. Damn it, Joe. Damn it. The potential was there. So I think he was 299, actually. That's um, incredible. That's massive. I think he might put weight on. Maybe he... linebacker. Like, what, what linebacker? Was the out, outside... Inside. I don't know. So I got Everywhere. that. Little, I got that little bit of information from um, the draft network. But twenty four seven sports says he um he was recruited out of high school as a defensive tackle. So I'm not too sure what was going on there. Maybe twenty four seven sport clutching at straws. I don't know. It might so, have just I mean, been draft like in his freshman year or something, and then he yeah, or, or in certain packages, and it's like, up. oh, that's yeah, a yeah. fucking massive linebacker. What's going on? <laughs> Imagine he was a running back. They try to tackle Alan McNeil. Oh mate, um, be carnage. That's probably right, where so, he gets the explosiveness from. Yeah. Yeah. So Alan McNeil, big guy, immovable, he's a rock. If you multiply that by two, that's what you get with Tyler Shelvin. Like he's nowhere near Ooh. as good against the pass, and he's not quite as explosive. But in terms of being big, like they don't build him like this very often. He's absolutely mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's enormous and um, massive. I don't know if like obese is the right word, but he looks <laughs> That's actually one of my negatives of him, but I'll get onto that later. But uh, yeah, he's, he was a complete staple in that run defense that won uh, LSU the championship in 2019. Obviously, he opted out this year. Um, he's like the Michelin man. Yeah, he's, you're, you're not drafting him as a pass rusher at all. There, no. there's, he hasn't really shown any ability to be a pass rusher, and I don't think he's probably going to pick that up. I mean, he had, I think, six pressures in 2019. Nice. But um, yeah, you kind of alluded to it there. Just his size, his his before he opted out, he ballooned up to three hundred and seventy-five pounds. Oh my god! So I that don't is know. Disgusting. Is that too big though? Like you need to have a motor still. No, it play does for... get to. A well, point I don't know. You... Vince Wilfork was over four hundred, but he was a, a large diabetic man. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it does get to a point though when weight does become an issue because you. 
there are young guys in the NFL now, the young, quick guys on D-line. Like, the position's changing in that way. You've got, mm. like, Onzerike and Barmore. You wouldn't have seen them, like, 10, 15 years ago. They'd be playing a different position. No, they'd be considered be too small to be playing D-tackle. Yeah. I don't, of... In terms of weight, mate, weight yeah. or just, yeah, Onzerike's like, he's a tall guy, but yeah. Yeah, in terms of weight and, and that sort of old school, like, mm. it needs to be a fucking huge lump playing there. Yeah, um, but my point is Tyler Shelvin is the opposite. That he's just he's a big lump. I I do really like him as a player. I think mm. he's going to be a solid like defensive tackle in the league. Yeah, it's definitely. just it's just whether the weight's going to hold him back, really, and because the speed of these guys is very very underrated. Like Quinn and Williams, he's played a bit of nose tackle in the league. Yeah, he would yeah. he would outrun almost anyone on the field. Like he probably runs like a four six, four six four seven. He's rapid. Shelvin yeah. would probably run like a f- five four. <laughs> I think um, just I just looked it up just to check, and he weighed in at his pro day at about three hundred and fifty. Well, but I think my main concern is just how much his weight fluctuates, really, from yeah. what I've heard. Anyway, if he can keep it there and it's like it's healthy, but I don't know if it is. And that's, don't Eddie Lacy it. Don't Eddie Lacy it, my man. Don't Eddie Lacy it. Find that maybe. game weight and stick to it. There we go. So. Last thing before we move on to draft or oh, the 21, 2021 draft linebackers, how many defensive tackles or interior defensive linemen do we think will be taken in the first round? I'm going to give you an over-under of 2.5. Under. I'm tempted to go under as well. I know that's really boring, but I just... Yes, yeah. I'm going to go with you. I think it'll be, yeah, Onzerike and Barnmore. Yeah, those those two stand out as, as you know, the premier options of that position. Although, as we've said... McNeil as well I think for for a lot of GMs will be in that conversation yeah. but I feel like there's too many big name players that are going to that are going to clog up this first round in other positions that D tackles going to be sort of left behind a little bit yeah. yeah I think there's potential to find similarities later on in the draft as well like mm. uh, one we were going to mention but decided to leave him off this list with Davion Nixon, I think, would probably yeah. be a good replacement for uh, a less good, but good replacement for someone like Christian Barmore that you could probably get on in day two. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if three went with McNeil potentially, but um, but yeah, I I think Max two, possibly one. Yeah, I I mean personally, if I was a gym, I wouldn't have a first round grade on Barmore or McNeil purely because. I wouldn't want to spend a first round pick on someone who's only going to play like 50 snaps a game or something like that. Yeah, that's the difficulty. That's, that's, because with the first round pick, you want to get value and you want to get like a tangible value on the field rather than just a guy who's going to come in for 50 snaps. I know it's a sizable amount, but you want this guy to be an every down player and mm. no one but Onzerike is going to do that, like, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like, we mentioned, so defensive tackles, there are only going to be possibly, we all think, two in the first round linebackers however there could be six seven potentially there are a lot of guys shit there are a lot of guys let's kick things off we want to go let's go with micah parsons from penn state freakishly athletic run a 439 40 yard dash it's pro day was it on a laser though stan it was not on a laser (laughs) it was not and he didn't run a 439 he did not run a 439 he ran a four something it's probably like a four five if we're being real. But either way, <laughs> he's very quick for a linebacker. He is. He's yeah. got athleticism. He shoots the gap really well. He's an okay tackler in open field. 
And what excites people more than anything is just the athletic upside because he's quite yeah. raw as his guard, as a talent. Yeah, his eyes sometimes he dece- he gets deceived by what he sees on offense. And I said he's an okay tackler. He's got room to improve. There. He's got room to improve versus like working against blocks as well. But the athleticism just shines through everything. Like he's able yeah. to get there. Like the technique can be taught later. Is yeah. the logic behind him? I think in, in you said he needs to improve on working through blocks. I think he's shown ability to make plays through blocks um against some some big o linemen as well like if you looked at the minnesota game for example those guys are fucking huge they, they are them big up there um and yeah he was still able to extend those arms and, and make tackles a- around the field i i really like his i mean the the 40 says it all but the sideline to sideline speed he can kind of make tackles whether you're running inside, outside zone, a little bubble screen, and he can also play a, a role in in the pass rush game as well. Yeah, he I played. Think, them. He was an edge rusher in high school. Yeah, I don't really like him as much lined up as an edge rusher, uh, as much as just yeah. rushing from that uh, yeah. that that middle linebacker position is inside rush, where he can use that the experience he's had as a as a D end um, to to really with momentum i think uh that's where he has the most success but yeah i think like you said his play awareness could probably improve and i'm yeah. expecting it to improve um he does bite on a lot of misdirections from what i could see yeah. uh play actions with uh ohio state he would anytime justin fields uh would fake qb pull um he's he's just biting on it so I think that's going to be the toughest learning curve for him at the next level is that mental side of things and playing yeah. a bit more disciplined. Like I, I, I love the the like we said the explosion of the explosiveness that he plays with, and part of that is playing on instinct, which you kind of want your playmakers to do, but you also have to recognize when you need to be disciplined and not just going gung ho for the first thing you see because that's when you get caught out, and especially at the NFL teams will pick up on that like a lightning rod yeah but then again yeah but then again his defense if he's got the speed to do that even if he doesn't clean it up as much as you'd like he's got the speed to recover from those plays which other guys simply don't like i'm not personally a massive fan of parsons i know a lot of people have him as their like linebacker one by a long shot but yeah i think he would um the issue with him i see is that he's not you where where a linebacker would have like really good play awareness of what on an understanding of what's going on, they will tend to sort of be where they need to be before the play develops. And I don't really see yeah. that in Parson. I think Yeah, he's he, a read and react rather than a he's Yeah, because he's got the athletic ability to do so and he's yeah. got the size um that he can get off blocks. He does occasionally need help with that. But um I would actually prefer and I don't think this will happen because he's probably going to go quite early. But um, if he filled that Sam role rather than a, a Mike linebacker, just That's so he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have to process as much, um, and he might develop into a Mike good Mike linebacker. But yeah. I doubt that's going to happen, to be honest. Yeah, I, I know me, me and Slew are definitely on the same um, on the same wavelength as you there. Like playing, yeah, either there is a Sam or a Will linebacker. Cause yeah. He's got the size and the speed to be a good coverage player. Like he isn't at the moment, but it's it's all there. He's got the as I said earlier with other guys, he's got the tools, just needs to learn the technique properly. 
Yeah, and he's he's an okay um in zone coverage mm-hmm. sometimes, but yeah, if, if you're putting him man on man on a tight end, he's gonna get just not gonna know what he's doing. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think he I think he can improve there though because he's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the athleticism. Like, yeah, he's he's got all of the like physical traits that you could want in a linebacker. He's just got to mm. learn how to use it. Like I know it's a lot easier said than done, but That's these types the of thing, athletic yeah. players don't come often. No, the potential yeah. is really exciting. It's just, uh, I feel like it could be one of those high ceiling, low floor type yeah. prospects. I where, think that's exactly what he is. Yeah. yeah. If, it, if it all clicks, then he's going to be an absolutely phenomenal player in, in the NFL. If he can't sort out those sort of fine details and the technical bits and the, as we said, the reading of the game and knowing where to be, then he's not going to be able to fulfill that potential. As exciting as it is that he's able to be that explosive, it won't matter if he doesn't know where to be. I, I think it really depends on the team. Like I said, like if someone's drafting him as a Mike linebacker, you can have a Sam or a Will linebacker who's still uh, an all-pro, mm. you know, at the end of the day, um, still very effective at what they do. But if a team feels that if they're drafting him earlier, they have to fit him into that Mike role, it just doesn't suit him at the moment. And he, that, he needs yeah. a lot of work. That is a bit of a prejudice that you see is when people draft linebacks as well. It's almost like they have to justify the pick by shoehorning them into the mic role when actually it's, you know, it's, it's equally as good, if not better, in some situations to have incredibly athletic players playing Sam and Will rather than try and make a raw athlete play the mic role and deal with the, the things that accompany that position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. show. Right, so... That is our opinion on Micah Parsons. Let's move things on now to Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa out of Notre Dame. Notre what Dame. Name. How, how what do you want to say? Fantastic name, fantastic player. Just very exciting. Like the way he hits. Like, like before we get into the technical stuff, the way he hits, man. Yeah. Like oh, it's exciting. Thumper. He's an absolute thumper. Like he's not a particularly massive guy either. He's six two. I think he weighed in at um, two fifteen. Two. 215 i yeah. think his pro day he weighed in at 221 fair enough but playing, i reckon he yeah. probably plays around 215 still which also uh some people pilot that as a problem but darius leonard leonard last season played at 215 it's it's right. becoming more common for, for linebackers to get lighter and quicker it, it kind of makes sense yeah definitely and it's not a bad thing it depends on the sort of role he's going to play in a defense because he's not going to be your traditional big linebacker. Yeah, this is my thing. I don't really know. It, I see him as nickel. I think I think he's a he's a sort of versatile player. I'm not saying he's athletic to the degree of Isaiah Simmons, but he's got that sort of versatility. I I would personally use him as a big nickel, so like a slot corner in zone formations. You can use him as an outside linebacker as well. Maybe even like a safety, like people have said he could play That's safety. Yeah, I've so got the speed I'm, to do it. I'm not super keen on him playing safety because I think that Is it like weird... what about, as a box safety, not as a traditional like one high, leave him out on an island. Yeah, he'd have to be in the box. He'd have to be almost like that Buchanan sort of hybrid linebacker safety. Yeah. yeah. I still think like he brings so much to you playing that outside linebacker role yeah outside linebacker big knuckle he's he's got the versatility to be on the field every single down is yeah I, I think any like. team that sort of plays like a quarters defense too deep uh could potentially just stick him at outside linebacker and cover the third receiver on 
or <laughs> as many plays as they want or just cover underneath roots. Uh, I mean, just getting into like how they used them at, uh, I always say Notre Dame or Notre is it supposed Dame. to be Notre Dame? I don't know. I think they say in Notre Dame because they're America, but obviously. I'm American. Are you American? Go for I'm it. I'm American. I've decided I am. Yeah, but he was basically covering the the slot receiver, the third receiver on in that uh, open field side position all the time. Um, and he can do it well. Yeah, and he's got the speed to do it. He's playing that position for so long and being that sort of staple for Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just so versatile, to be honest. He's instinctive too. He plays yeah. smart, which is something that Parsons doesn't. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's smarter, maybe slightly less of an athlete, but he can hit harder. He tackles well. He he sees the he's game. He's still a good athlete as well. Like, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying Parsons is just slightly better. Yeah, I mean he's he's a freak. He but... is a freak. Quite interesting here. Lance Zerline, um, he did the scouting report on him for NFL.com, and his pro comparison was Derwin James. Right. Okay. So he's comparing him to a box mm. safety. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm seeing a lot of this where scouts are talking about him as a safety. Um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, big nickel outside linebacker. That's where I'd see him personally. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of those safety linebacker hybrids anyway, yeah. in, more so in the NFL. Positionless football. Exactly. It's all going down. And down uh, versatility route. is one of the, the main things. And I mean, it, the one thing you could say about Derwin James is he's very fucking versatile. Yeah. You can put him anywhere. Um. Yeah, so I think as long as a team knows what they're doing with them, one, oh, well, they don't really have to know what they're doing with them as much because you can basically just put them over the fuck. Just drop them in there and hope for that. This is the thing. Fine. Yeah, I was I was gonna say it like I'd really like to see him get drafted by a team with a creative defensive mind and or defensive coordinator or, or quite a sort of varied defensive playbook because I think he is one of those players where you can take advantage of, of what he offers you in different ways. You don't have to just shoot one of them into one role. Yeah. Jets with the second overall pick. <laughs> I think exactly. Wusu well, Karamoa over that. anyone. Over such <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Oh dear. Right, let's um let's jump things forward a bit. So Zaven Co- Zaven Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa, he won the College Football Award this year for the best defensive player. And yes, you heard mm. me right. He's from not Alabama, not LSU, not Georgia, but Tulsa. Hey, don't sleep on Tulsa. I'm not sleeping on Tulsa now they had um, Zayvon Tulsa's Collins. Tulsa's in Alabama. It's all the same. <laughs> basically, yeah, basically Crimson Tide. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's, he's a very good player. He's, he's a player. fucking huge as well. Six he's foot four, massive. 260. I think he, he used to play D-end. Or... And he can shift as well. He can He'd absolutely yeah. murder me. Yeah, he can <laughs> shift. I think it's a lot, uh, it's short quickness rather than, you know, he's not going to, it's not like with uh, Jeremiah where he can sort of keep up with receivers in, in coverage. Yeah, but it's different sort of, yeah, short area quickness. But he does he does have great coverage ability and, and awareness as well, which is obviously sure. a plus. Um, I think he's, he's a linebacker that is going to be on the field for three downs um, wherever you, I don't know about that. Ooh. Really? There's a the thing about Collins, and I'm obviously you've got to look at a player's skill set rather than the scheme they're in. But what Tulsa do is really, really unique. 
They run what's called a tight front. So you've got a zero tech, so a defensive tackle lined up directly over the center. Mm-hmm. And then you've got two, four, what's called a four eye tech, which are lined up directly over the tackles, but slightly inside. Mm. And so he's, he's got two reads every single play. He either shoots the, um, shoots the gap that the zero tech isn't covering, or he scrapes to the outside. Right. Yeah. That's so literally, quite a simplified it's, sort it's of... It's very, very simple. He doesn't. He's not going to be able to cope straight away in an NFL defense, and I can promise you that. I put money on that. He's not starting full-time day one. He's going to be a situational player who has to learn like an... Inter- it's like learning football from scratch again. Like There are defensive coaches who have said in the past that transitioning from like a, um, like a 3-5 tight front like they run to a normal scheme is like couldn't take years. Yeah, I mean, I, I was more alluding to just durability, to be honest. Um, yeah, he, I think he played every game that he he, he never missed a game for, for Tulsa. I know, but like, um, as a three-down player, I don't see him as that. I don't think he can be that year one at all. It's different from guys like Parsons and Koromoa, because sure, they played simplified defences, but they're relatively pro-style, whereas this mm. 3-3 thing that Tulsa do is completely unique, and you're never going to see yeah. it in the NFL. And I mean, there's a difference between a simplified defense and a two yeah. read, same two reads every play defense, right? Yeah, it's like expecting like the QB from Army or Navy to go into an NFL pro style offense. It's not going to work. It's like teaching some. It's teaching completely different offense. Yeah, but I mean, in in coverage, he was still he was still more than capable, and he yeah. diagnosed diagnosed the play pretty well. He he didn't get. I mean, that's probably part of it. Um, like you said, in in rush defensive, he's only got to make two reads. But I didn't really see him get as caught up in misdirections as some of the other people on the list. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think there's enough on the tape that you know it's not going to take him years. Like like you said, Stan, you, like they can, that transition can take years. I don't think it's going to take years, but I don't think it's going to he's going to be instant impact potentially. Not every yeah. down. Um. That's fair enough. I uh, I do think he shoots the gap very well, though. Yeah, even if he, that, yeah, yeah, oh, that, the, the that short he, burst quickness is is very yeah. good. The stuff he was asked to do, he did do incredibly well. And he, again, like the two guys on the two other guys in the list that we've mentioned so far, I don't want to sound like a scratch record, but he's got the skill set to become an elite NFL linebacker. They've yeah. got the, that's what makes them potential first round talents, though, isn't it? They've got the skill set. Yeah, and yeah, Zayman Collins, absolute monster of a human being. Just, I do have two things that make me think that he might fall out the first round. Go on. Um, It's one is that his ability to actually shed blocks, and it's not really actually. I wouldn't say so much his ability because he still is a natural pass rusher. But it's almost like when he's being blocked, it looks almost like he's like, okay, I'm being blocked now. Uh, I'm just gonna. You I'm, know, I'm doing doing blocks. my job. I'm just gonna sort of be around and then let yeah. the um let the runner get past me. Um, so that was that's a bit concerning. Just so you want to see more aggression there? Yeah, just more more enthusiasm. Like if you're getting blocked by a five foot seven running back and you're six foot four, <laughs> two sixty, like don't just be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm being blocked. This is me out of the play. God damn it, got me again. Yeah, um, take boy. <laughs> And also, I think sometimes that's part of it. And I did see quite a lot of missed tackles as well. Um, so, mm. and I realized like he ended up being very productive for Tulsa, but at the same time, he was 
missing quite a lot. Um, so yeah, that that's a bit of a concern. It, yeah. I mean, if you show missed tackling in college, then I don't know if that's going to translate very well into the NFL. Yeah, no, there yeah. was a guy. There was a guy who was going to potentially add on to this list, Cam McGrone from Michigan. And I turned on the tape like a few days ago, and all I saw was I saw an athletic guy kept just missing tackles, and it was poor yeah. form, and it, yeah, hence hence why he's not on this list. Yeah. So that is a that is something that you do have to learn. You must learn because obviously linebacker. First thing you think of, you think tackling running back. Just a short that. tackler, you know. It's um, your bread and butter work. You've got. You a, can't have a whiffy linebacker in the NFL. Exactly, you got whiffy linebacker. Be out of the league in seconds. It's yeah. weird though, because like sometimes it just completely blows up a gap and ruins a play, and then another time mm. it's just like a gimme uh, mm. tackle that he dives at their ankles. So inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which you'll need okay. to clean up to to make an impact in the NFL, but. Like, like you said, the upside is is very interesting, and it will be interesting to see how he deals with the more complicated defensive defensive playbook, and, and if he sinks or swims in that. Yeah, he's an intriguing prospect, is that? Let's um let's turn our attention to a guy out of Kentucky who came onto everyone's radars relatively late in the um the draft process this year. Jamin Davies, he runs like I think a four 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 two forty yard dash. Obviously, you can add about a tenth of a second onto that because of the whole pro day stopwatch thing. <laughs> but he's drawn comparisons to Darius Leonard. His film, I, I've watched it and I was really, very, very impressed. He does everything you expect a Mike linebacker to be able to do, pretty much. He's, he works blocks well, good tackler, good in pass coverage. He's a bit inconsistent in coverage sometimes, but I see you nodding your head there, Joe. No, I was I was going to say that I, I agree with what you're saying so far. I, I would say the only thing with pass coverage is that the... He he has made quite a few plays. He got a few interceptions. It's just he tends to stare down the QB when he's in coverage, and I think uh, that's that can what, lead. That's what, that's what linebackers are supposed to do quite a lot of the time. There, it's really yeah. But head. if if you're assigned like man coverage on a, on a receiver, um, oh, okay, so yes, look, eyes in the backfield on man coverage. Oh, you can't yeah. be cheating in the backfield. And on then man the guy coverage. runs past you, and you, you get yeah, yeah, okay. you get burnt deep, mate. Fair you don't want deep. that. Can't have that. I'm all for a linebacker getting a few interceptions, but you can't get burnt deep, fella. He did get a fair few interceptions. It was like four or something yeah, like that yeah, last he, season. He got a good few for Kentucky. He got a good few. I'm yeah. a big fan of Davis personally. Yeah, I, I'm I really, agree. I'm really into it. There's, there's no big thing to him for him like the other guys that stands out as like, hang on, this is a bit of a red flag here. We should maybe ignore this. So, sorry, yeah. sorry, we should maybe um like pay attention to this and maybe he falls into the second. But yeah. I think he goes first round. I think, yeah, late first round, I mm. probably imagine him going. Um, yeah, look, he's super athletic, like you said. He's really good at taking on blocks. Um, that pass coverage thing, he kind of makes up for it with the, the plays he does make in coverage, in, yeah. in a yeah, sense. Good, good hands, too. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he played, like, receiver or something in college. At some point, yeah, in, yeah. Not, not in college, in, in high school. Probably. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's... He's quite a sure thing in a lot of ways, which I think will be will work in his favour if he is going to go in the first round. Like especially, and I, and I think as well, it can be quite difficult to find linebackers that you can rely on in pass coverage, yeah. um, and and who can make plays in pass coverage. I mean, obviously, as you said, Joe, that getting caught with your eyes in the backfield is something he's going to have to clean up, especially if it's a man coverage assignment, and that's just discipline of of your assignment, right? Um, 
but the potential yeah. is there and the hands are quite exciting at, at, to, in terms of the, those interceptions and, and being able to make a real difference in pass coverage. Yeah, and I guess if it goes to a, like a cover two zone scheme, it wouldn't be yeah. as big an issue anyway. Yeah, exactly. If he ends up in a, in a, in a primarily zone scheme, then I think that, that would work amazingly because he's got the speed to be able to, if he makes the right read, to be able to act on it and make a play. Mm. So that could really complement quite well his, his skill set. I've heard a few um, a few Minnesota fans actually hoping Ooh. for for Davis to end up on their team. I like with that. Some comparisons to Kendricks as well, which okay. I like that. I like it. I like. I, that I could see. I could see that pro comparison as well. Yeah. Another issue that we haven't quite mentioned with him yet is um, take a guess at how many college games he started. Oof. Not many. Um. 12. One less. 11. Correct. Oh, that's brutal. Is he a... I don't actually know how many... Is he a red shirt sophomore? I think he... I'm pretty sure he red shirt, red shirted. Hang on, let me just check that. Well, you need a bit... It, it, it's always funny when it comes to... He's a red shirt many, junior. Yeah, you can't declare okay. as a sophomore. It, it, it is funny yeah, when it comes know. to like talking about how many games people play in college because there's an argument that not having like having played enough good games in college and but not loads and loads means that you've got loads of tread on your tires and less likely to be a little bit banged up and and, and yada 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 but that's not the case for running backs though that is true yeah that especially for running backs but then you've got the yeah for linebackers as well though like on the other end of it you know you, yeah they're the guys making the hits exactly. yeah but also, you know, you, if, especially if it's going to be a first round pick, right, you kind of need to know that it's going to work to an extent, especially at like if, it maybe with like a QB, if it's someone who's like, you know, they they could be a generational talent, but they haven't got a lot of game to film, then you can take the risk. But if it's someone that you're going to rely on to play pretty early on, you kind yeah. of need to see the, a, a more tape than that. Yeah, ideally. The one redeeming feature about this whole thing is that he goes to Kentucky. He plays in the SEC. He's had 11 That's SEC true. starts. And if he was in Zaven Collins' shoes and he'd only played 11 start, starts at Tulsa, then Big maybe we'd yeah. be raising some eyebrows. But SEC is elite competition. You're playing against NFL players. Mm. For me, this guy's a first-round lock. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I lock him, I'd lock him up there in the first. Late lock first. him up, Trump no, Minnesota. No. Minnesota, you calling it? Get your boy. Oh, I'm, I could I'm gonna... I could see him going to Minnesota. To be fair, okay, okay, I like that. We ready to ready to move on, chaps? Let's yeah. do it. Let's, Let's go. talk about another great SEC linebacker, Mister Nicholas Bolton from the University of Missouri. Oh, I love it. I really I, like him. I really like him too. Like Slew was shitting on him a bit a bit last week. Was, <laughs> what was he shitting him about? He was saying, "Oh, he's not very good, is he?" I've got exactly what why. is he on about? He's if you watch him, he's fun he's as fun. fuck to he's watch. He's so funny. He just hits. He hits hard. He's just he hits like every a brick shit house. Yeah, <laughs> every play he's there. Like I can understand why you might not like him as a pass coverage coverage guy because he's, mm. he's not the quickest. But as a run defender, he's amazing. He's, <laughs> he's very very talented. He's one of the most talented, like if not the most talented, run defender in this draft. Yeah, and then what we were saying about Zayn Collins missing tackles, I. I don't think I've seen Nick Bolton really miss a tackle. No, um, he doesn't miss tackles. He's. I think he, he has the most tackles people. in the SEC as well last yeah, year. Yeah, that really wouldn't surprise me either. He hits hard. He hits well. And 
despite the concerns about his speed sideline to sideline, he shoots the gap really well. He gets downhill really yeah. fast, mm. which is quite impressive for a big guy. He's, I think he's like 6'4", very, very well built. Yeah, you struggle to... to miss him when you're on a field. <laughs> yeah, He did well against Najee Harris too. Again, exactly, yeah. He made a bunch of stops against Najee Harris, which is impressive. Goal line tackles. He, um, he processes the field very well as well. Yeah. Like like we said with some of the other guys who get uh, caught on misdirections, he, I don't, he doesn't really... Like, he's very, very disciplined in that regard. Doesn't really yeah. get caught up in, in play actions or counter plays or anything like that. So He's got 20-20 football vision. Exactly. The, <laughs> the only real negative I have on Terrible him, yet. and like... It's not even so much uh, his coverage ability. Just, um, uh, just he's not as much of an athlete as these other yeah. guys. But he's not unathletic. I, I would say it's just when you're comparing it to a bunch of guys who, you know, it's just sideline to sideline beasts. Then um, it's yeah. un, an unfair comparison. I'd love to see this guy get drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Really? Think, yeah, because the big area they struggle with on defense is their their against the rush yeah. I think Nick Bolton would be an instant fix to that because obviously you've already got out, gone out and as we mentioned earlier in the episode you've got Genevieve Clown, you've got Miles Garrett you've got Danny um, Shelton on the interior as well and if you've oh, got an absolute thumb the who boy. doesn't miss tackles yeah the, yeah that's very I'm sure you might want to sub him out on some passing packages some like nickel and dime stuff but other than that leave him it's in there probably He's going to clean still up. up there with what they have at the moment. To be yeah. honest, like, they drafted like three guys in like the fourth and fifth last year, and neither any neither of them, or sorry, none of the three of them have done any good. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he instantly comes in and starts for the Browns. Yeah, yeah. I surprising enough, he he hasn't. I haven't seen loads of mocks with him going in the first, but I do think he's a first round talent at linebacker. He's a, could be a little sneaky little sleeper. I don't know. I'd, I'd ignore mock say sleeper, drafts. I don't like but, mock drafts. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do one later this week probably, but I don't like them. <laughs> Just so you guys know, <laughs> Stan will do it, do it but he's not going to enjoy it. Yeah. So. <laughs> On the dropback only fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That will never happen, Joe. We'll, we'll we'll just post mock drafts on there. <laughs> Nothing edgy. It's, we might as well get a Patreon because I don't think we want to be associated with only. Nah, fans. nah, we're not selling out. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening this week. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Remember to catch us on all of our socials at the Dropback on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and then our website is www.thedropback.com or .co.uk. Ooh. And it's been nicely refurbished, revamped by Joe and Matt right here. The boys. The boys. boys. So next week, we're going to catch up with some defensive back talk about regarding... Oh, this yes. Year. You love a bit of defensive back, don't I you? I fucking know? love defensive backs. How are you going to watch <laughs> film this time? Yeah, I'm going to watch even more film. I'm going to watch two whole films at least. <laughs> draft day, I'll repeat. <laughs> That'll look, that's all it'll be. It'll just be Kevin Costner on draft day. You know it. Anyways, until next week, I've been Stan. I've been Joe. And I've been Matt. See you next week. Peace. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Stan Wilson.
You're that square that does extra homework, aren't you? <laughs>